welcome to episode 54 of the Brown and Black podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. So today we're going to be talking to Carlos Lopez Estrada and Kelly Marie Tran. Carlos Lopez Estrada, man, I love this guy. He's a Mexican-American director who doesn't really get the, this dude should be on the cover of Variety, The Hollywood Reporter. Just leave Carlos Lopez right in the center. And this dude is going to direct a Star Wars movie. You understand that, right? I'm I'm saying it right here for the first time. Like, I need to get credit (laughs) when he starts directing Star Wars within the next five to ten years. You know what blows me away about Carlos? Besides, he's like this mild-mannered, you never know he was doing you yeah. know like he's so down to earth <laughs> yeah, and everything exactly what really blows me away is that he's a master storyteller he can take things that you'd say okay i need you to take spoken word turn that into a film that is true and so his new movie summertime many people are describing it as a poetry movie which it is and this is a very difficult movie to have put together, especially under, I believe he had three months to workshop this and then three weeks to shoot it. It was insane. And he did this because he felt really connected to the story. He really was connected to L.A. and is connected to the plight of the marginalized in this country, the underrepresented. Mike, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a movie like Summertime ever in my life it's an ode it really brings up that word it's an ode to summer to summer in la to being young to being diverse and to find a way to take all these different voices and put them into one film make it coherent let their stories interconnect you literally fall in love with this movie and the subjects in the film and to a large extent la this doesn't sound like the la you visited No, definitely not. Uh, This is a a thriving, culturally uh, bohemian L.A. that feels like the cradle of spoken word. And just just the word itself is what you feel with this movie. We spoke with Kelly Marie Tran about poetry and what that means, Mike, because, look, I'm not a poet guy. I, I love reading books. I love reading history. I love reading speeches. But you know what? The one thing I haven't been able to really fall in love with is poetry. And I didn't really think I was going to like this movie because of the subject matter. And bro, I got to say, man, I tip my hat off to Carlos and Kelly for really bringing to life what could be a new wave of narrative storytelling that we really haven't scene or I feel like Hollywood really hasn't embraced just yet. Well, I agree. And you know what else is interesting about it, too? Because, you know, just to tell you a little about me. Now, I used to produce poetry events back in the day with poets at different spaces. Dude, what have you not done, man? I mean, <laughs> I'm just you're saying. like Superman, bro. I want to be like you when I grow up. I can become a poetry man. Poetry, man. All right. I used to produce these poetry events. And then I used to do this thing where on the air, on radio, where I would have these poetry, their poems, and then I'd, you know, put music to it. I'd find music that I thought was appropriate. I've always been uh, steeped in poetry and I've always had an interest in it. I, I could not call myself a poet on any way, shape, or form. But 
New York is always seen as like the place in, in America. Movies are done in L.A. Theater happens in New York. Poetry happens in New York. This movie, in my opinion, New York, I don't know that New York has the throne for poetry anymore after seeing this movie. Wow, wow, wow. You know, poetry in film is something that you don't quite see. And what I truly enjoyed about this film is, number one, there's a level of intense authenticity because Carlos, number one, this project that you, that, that you will eventually see called Summertime is a labor of love. He's searching for himself somewhere within these poems, within these characters, within this city. I think he's finding himself his true voice as a director, because he's been doing many, many things. I mean, this guy directed Billie Eilish in a music video, so he could have just been a music video director, but he didn't. Then he did blind spotting, and you thought he was going to go into, like, you know, drama. And then all of a sudden, he does Raya and The Last Dragon with Disney, and he's doing animated, and now he's doing these indie types of spoken word films where he's just kind of flipping the narrative, and you're just going, what is Carlos's... Limit. What is this dude's ceiling? Because Star Wars? Like, what is it, Mike? Dude, yeah, I thought you were going to say, what is Carlos's superpower? Because he, he because <laughs> no, because he is such a, to me, he's just a great, great storyteller. And it's interesting when I interviewed him a long time ago for uh, Blind Spotting, which was his first feature film, which is now a TV series. Who And the star of that was on our last episode. So it all kind of comes full circle. But the, Guys who wrote that, David Diggs and his partner, they had to convince him he was the guy to do it. He didn't think he could do it. Which leads you to believe how many other things does he think he can't do that he could probably knock out of the park? You know, that's what I'm saying. What is his superpower? This dude's amazing. He is amazing. And what's amazing also about him is that he's all about supporting other artists. It's interesting you, know, you mentioned how he's trying to find his voice. But he's doing it as he's helping others get their voice out there. And that's really what really was striking about this film, because there are so many diverse voices in this film. There are so many different kinds. And these are all non-actors. These are poets. The people we see perform are performing the stuff that they wrote. And that's amazing in itself, in my opinion. And well, Mike, without any further ado, here is our interview with Carlos Lopez Estrada and Kelly Marie Tran on Summertime. It's just us. Have you forgotten where we are? What kind of crazy dope magic happens in this city every day? $15. In this economy, do you know what I can buy with $15? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Hell no. Why are you here? Because this city needs me. There's literally a street that has stars in it with people's names. $15 to get me a new outfit from the four-star veteran thrift store down the street. I can make chicken Alfredo for dinner for around $14.70. Purchase shampoo, conditioner, and leave-in for Marshalls at around $13.40. Lift home for $6.89. Try me to my night clothes. Flop in my bed. Open up my laptop. Log on to Yelp and write how ridiculous these prices are. Whew. 
Welcome to the Brown and Black Podcast, Carlos Lopez Estrada, Kelly Marie Tran. What was the main core connection to creating a poetry movie? Um, it's, wow, well, I'm going to try to come up with, with a, a simple answer because I feel like there's a, there's a 20 minute answer there somewhere. It really, it all started as we were finishing the blind spotting journey. And that movie, even though I, I got to work on it with the Vina Rafa, it was their story about their hometown. Uh, it became a deeply, deeply personal film for me just because we really put all of ourselves into that movie for a really long time. So I was now like faced with that challenge that many young directors have, which is what comes next. And knowing that this film meant so much to me, I, I said to myself that I really didn't want to work on anything that I couldn't connect with and I couldn't like fall in love with as much as I had for blind spotting. And so I was reading scripts, I was meeting with potential collaborators, and there just simply wasn't anything that moved me in the way that I felt like I needed to be moved in order to really commit to jumping onto a second film. And right around that time, I got invited to a spoken word poetry workshop where all the poets that you ended up seeing in the film. Wait, who, who was this person? Who was this person that, 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 that created the path to this magic? This magical person, her name is Diane Luby Lane, and she is the director of a nonprofit organization called Get Lit. They're a nonprofit based out of Koreatown here in LA, and the, their mission is essentially to empower the youth through literature. So they, they teach classic spoken word, classic poetry, and then connected to contemporary wow. spoken word poetry. And, and it's been hugely successful. It's, you know, touched the lives of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of LA youth. And it's just an incredible program. So she, we had a connection through, through a, a few friends in common and, she invited me to just come sit into one of these poetry sessions. And I was just moved beyond belief by, by what I saw there. It was just this group of, this group of young artists, like I think the age range was like 16 to like 25, all from different corners of LA, just because, because the organization works with all, schools all around the district the people that come together for the program are from east, west, south, north, valley, like every, almost like every uh, community in LA is represented within the, the, the people that work at Get Lit. And I just felt that thing that I hadn't felt with any of the other potential projects that I was exploring. And it was like this desire to really fall in deep and connect with these people. And and I guess that was the seed that, that started summertime. This was almost two and a half years ago. I have to ask you now, Kelly, because uh, I knew Carlos from Blind Spotting, and then we interviewed him together for uh, Ray. And... To me, seeing this film, it blew me away, okay? I, I was just blown away, and I totally fell in love with it. So I have to assume you did too. But as a storyteller who's been involved in, you know, one of the greatest stories lines of all time, what did you fall in love with about this? Because I'm assuming you did. And, and what made you want to get involved to the level you have? I mean, similar to what Carlos was saying earlier, like, I feel like after... <laughs> Maybe it's different, but I feel like Carlos and I had a conversation as 
as sort of riot press was ending and I was at a point in my career where I had really come from nothing and I was doing, you know, tiny bits on TV shows and a commercial like once every three years to then doing Star Wars and then doing Raya. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I have done these two things that are so much bigger than me. And I want to figure out who I am as a storyteller, as an artist. Like what are the things that I actually care about? What are the things that I want to put my voice behind? And it was very clear to me that you know, we live in a culture that really encourages people to just get more stuff <laughs> and do bigger things and make sure your face is on posters. And that was like the opposite of what I wanted as an, as an artist. And I was having this conversation with Carlos over dinner and he was telling me about summertime and he sent me a link. And then I watched, I watched it and I was fully emotionally moved. And I think that it wasn't just that experience, which already just the experience of, of being moved by something in this day and age where it feels like there's so much stuff and not a lot of things that emotionally move you was something that's already, that was already a big deal to me, but then to really get to know the poets and to go through a poetry program, essentially tailored to Carlos and myself, where they taught us how to write poetry. And it just absolutely rejuvenated me as an, as an artist and, and really helped me, I think, literally find my voice <laughs> and figure out like what I, I wanted to do. And I, I, it has been an absolutely magical experience and I'm just grateful to be part of it. And I, I can't wait for people to see this movie. Let's talk about the business of movie making. How did both of you convince producers that poetry needed to be created into a feature length film? I at first was like poetry. Oh man, I don't know about this. I don't know about poetry in my life at this moment. I don't read poetry. I don't do poetry. It's not my vibe. Yet I saw summertime and I'm all into poetry now. So explain to me the power of poetry and why this type of spoken word poetry needs to be a part of our cinema today. Getting the movie made, it, it was in many ways near impossible and in many ways it was really effortless. And I'll, I'll explain to you why. I saw this showcase in April and I came to Diane Luby Lane, the, the director of Get Lit, with the idea to turn it into a film, probably like the beginning of May. And everyone was very excited. The poets were really excited. We were trying to figure out how to piece it together. But then we quickly found out that the summer was coming. And after the summer, because so many of the poets were in high school, were essentially just going to disperse all throughout the states. They were going to college, they were starting jobs. They were like, you know, entering the new chapter in their lives and were gonna be on a available. So we all decided that the only way that this could happen was if we did it over the summer, which meant that we had to start immediately and that we had to shoot it by the end of August. Uh, so that gave us like a three month workshopping slash writing slash prepping. We had three months for that period. And then we had like three weeks to shoot it. I mean, the original plan was, look, let's shoot it on phones for for no money and let's just let's just do it 
like real independent. Oh, yeah. Wow. Let's just like shoot in Soderbergh style. Yeah. Let's just Soderbergh. This. That was kind of the intent. It was like, look, we're obviously never gonna get money for this because there's no script. The idea is just like let's turn poems into into an interconnected narrative and and the, the poets who have never been in a movie before or in front of like a professional film camera are going to be the stars of it and we kind of started started putting it together with that mentality and coincidentally i had met uh the people at the los angeles media fund around that same time and i we were having breakfast together and i just brought the project up i said look this is a thing that i'm very excited about and we're going to do it this summer uh, and I just saw something in their faces just light up. Um, I, I think it's just because of the the fact that it was being told by real people in LA, the fact that, you know, they're the LA media fund. Um, and I, I think- And it feels innovative, Carlos. It feels I, innovative. It feels new. It feels refreshing. It feels like a novelty. I think you know? so. I, it, 100%. And I think also they gauged my level of excitement and they could see how sort of like hyped I was on it. So they said, look, let us um, let us just think about it for a minute because we may be able to support it. And anyway, long story short, they came on as the financiers and they gave us, um, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was just enough to be able to do it with um, with a crew and like pay everyone <laughs> and just, things that we weren't considering originally. Uh, and that's really how how we did the production. So we're like eternally grateful to them. And and just in terms of like the power, I don't know, Kelly, do you want to maybe, because I, I think um, you, can, you have probably a, a great answer to the power of poetry. I think that our, our recent two- And why does it belong within the cinematic uh, medium? Oh man, I think, what is so powerful about summertime, but also just about the poets in general, is like this idea that here are these young, I don't want to say kids, because they're not all kids, <laughs> young adults who are so brave and so vulnerable in their art. Like it's, and I think, you know, going through the, the poetry program myself and then getting to a point where I performed and Carlos also performed one of his poems. Oh, we got to see this video. <laughs> uh, they they were filmed uh whether you'll see them or not it, <laughs> i'm gonna have to do some soul searching but 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 they're filmed yeah why not i actually like my poem and kelly's is fantastic and you will see kelly's poem because we're gonna release it soon um but yeah i think there's something so healing about using art and words in order to heal yourself of trauma and and to see the ways in which yeah these young artists are able to do that it really inspired me to to want to do that with my own trauma and i i just think it's such a it's such a healing thing mm. i think it just especially now it seems like we're entering this new era of sort of like film and storytelling where like people are no longer willing to ignore the voices that have been ignored for a really long time. And, and these are all people who come from unrepresented backgrounds and who are using all of their experiences to create art. And the only reason that they're doing it is so that anyone else who may be going through a similar experience can connect and, and can sort of like grow from it. 
And I think that's just so beautiful. And, and I feel like the movie feels to me timelier than ever. And it, it feels like poetry, and it, I don't think it's all types of poetry. I think it's this kind of poetry, the kind of poetry that comes from people from marginalized communities, the kind of poetry that, that has a strong social component and that is essentially like a form of activism. It's just, it's becoming a mainstream tool now. And we saw it with Amanda Gorman and we see it with Hamilton and the Heights and all, all these things that have elevated texts that have, you know, people from underrepresented communities just talking about their identity through poetry. So, so I don't know, it feels to me like it wasn't something that we were trying to do, but it seems like we are now part of this really important movement that's happening and uh, just so happy to to put the poets' voices out there for more people to fall in love with them. It is very satisfying to help elevate other artists, support other artists and help other storytellers get their stories out there. But at the same time, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. A lot of things about how this came together and, and how you both feel makes me want to ask you through this process, what you've learned about yourself in this, getting involved in this project that, you know, what, what stands out to you? what did you learn about yourself? I learned a lot. <laughs> I think I'm still learning. One of the coolest things I think about this entire process is just how much social justice is part of the campaign and part of the just experience of the movie, if that makes sense. Um, and I think Carlos can talk more about that too. He's smiling right now. <laughs> I think for me, the intersection between activism and art has never been more alive. And it has been something that um, this experience has has taught me can be one of the most rewarding things in the world is, is how do we use our words and, and our voices to, like you said, elevate the voices of those who have historically been ignored, but also um, to really say something and, and to make art that opens people's minds and hearts and is radical. I think that's what I want to do forever and something that I learned during this experience. That was beautiful. Definitely retweet everything that Kelly just said. But I, I would say to me, what's been most meaningful about this experience is that the way that this community of poets approaches their work is essentially by by not not trying to ignore the things about yourself the things about the things about your past that are complicated that are challenging that are sometimes you know considered considered sort of like dark or scary uh to embrace those to like really have you thinking about them, talking about them and sharing it with other people, because that's ultimately the only way that we can learn how to heal and how to be okay with it. So whether it's things about your background, things about your persona, things about your culture or your, your place in the world, the, this type of poetry invites you to like welcome those into your life, to celebrate those and, and to share them with as many people as possible. And it forced me to think about the way that I'm approaching, not just my work and my creativity, but also just my life and the decisions that I'm making and, and, and how I'm choosing to spend my time. And it just forced me to be like so kind to myself, so open to sharing it with others. And it's like a form of activism that is so powerful it's because it's it's like rooted in truth. 
and and just so beautiful. So I I I mean I think Kelly would probably agree, but I feel forever changed after working with these these young poets and like it's definitely going to be my life and career pre-summertime and then everything that comes after is going to be like significantly different because of it they kind of like rewired my my brain to process information differently so i'm more thankful to them than i think they are to us for making this movie yeah there was a line in the movie where I think Markeisha said, to speak truth is to become truth. And I think that this is what this movie did. It spoke truth. For you both, what can we all do better to improve that we see more movies like this? You're asking uh, the million dollar question here. Man, if I knew the answer, I would, I would, I would have told everyone already. <laughs> I feel like what's most scary about it and what's also the most inspiring about it is that this has to be a group effort right this has to be like uh, all of our community coming together to make sure that these stories get made supported talked about lifted highlighted celebrated repeated and it's not just it's not just us as filmmakers bringing them out but it's also you know, all of you as as journalists and sort of like the um, critics of our work, making sure that we make space for these kinds of movies, making sure that uh, we we continue to encourage our fellow artists to just look around them and try to highlight the stories that normally wouldn't get highlighted, and and do, doing anything that we can so that we we can you know systematically introduce this diversity that you see in the movie to all of our workplaces so whether it's in journalism for y'all the people who write about our movies the people who um talk and criticize our movies whether it's us in front and behind the camera uh yeah i i i wish that i had a more prescriptive answer but i i feel like you know us having this conversation right here with you too and your audience supporting our movies, supporting the other movies uh, that that need this kind of support. Uh, and, and it's really just, I think, a community effort to lift each other up. And, and, and it seems like people are taking it really seriously. It seems like we are a part of this movement. So I, I would just say like, we should keep doing it and doing it even more seriously because I, I feel like it can really become sort of like the new norm and the new mainstream, which is, is an exciting thought, but it requires, I think, a lot, of, a lot of efforts from a lot of people. Oh, there, there's, I forget who said it. They said that uh, you don't want to be a movement. You want to be a revolution because the movement stops after it's made its move. So, well, I, I, I could easily keep you guys here for like another half hour, but I really love the movie. And, you know, you're, you're reminding me both a gist of how you can use what's available to you as an, as an artist, as a celebrity, uh, as whatever it is, just to help change lives. So. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to work with these uh, young adults. Just just before you guys leave, um, I wanted to get your thoughts. You mentioned In the Heights a little while ago and the backlash that has occurred around that, that caught a lot of us in the media just shocked that, wait a minute, this movie was supposed to be for all Latino people, yet now it's getting shamed. 
And my opinion is that instead of going after Lynn, you should have gone after the system. Univision and Telemundo and Televisa in Mexico have been propagating uh, colorism by not representing Black Latinos within their novellas, their newscasts. If you look at Telemundo and Univision, everybody is white, but they're going after Lynn. Have you guys had any connection to this and any advice for someone like Lynn that is going through this? And do you think that the conversations are legitimate? Or is this a complex situation? What are your thoughts on it? We actually, we both know Lynn and, you know, love him. Um, and, you know, we're big supporters of everything he does. I, I, I mean, I think that the conversation is, of course, legitimate. And I feel like people are legitimately hurt by by what happened. And, and I feel like those those perspectives should never be ignored. But I also think that that there needs to be a healthy relationship between us creators and our audiences. And, you know, just by, by the nature of what we do, it's, we're never always going to get it right. And, and I know for a fact that Lynn and his team tried so, so like, you know, this movie and this neighborhood means the world to him. And I know that he tried so, so hard to represent it every single way. So yeah, there may have been some oversights in it. And I feel like it's good that people are talking about it. I feel like it's good that it's a part of this movement that we're talking about where people are just not willing to ignore uh, these these conversations anymore. And I think that's fantastic. But I, I feel like the best case scenario for all of us, audiences and us creators is ones where we feel like we're in, in a in a healthy relationship with each other and that we can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from our oversights. Uh, we, we know that we're not always going to get it right and we'll try harder next time. Um, but also I feel like audiences need to, as much as they want to hold those accountable, I think they also should just understand that, uh, you know, these things happen and, and like, we we are trying our very very best to be as inclusive and representative as possible. So, I, I feel like we should be able to strike that balance and 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 hopefully that you know we're in this together. I think that Lynn more than anyone like wants this. So hopefully we can continue to lift each other up and be supportive and make this a cons constructive dialogue. I just think that the best that we can do. I mean, in everything, including our art, is just to be honest, uh, and and to to tell stories that are close to us and and that we feel connected to. And I mean, in life too, right? Like that's the best that you can do to just do things that come from within and that you feel strongly about. And I, I feel like the way that someone else may interpret it or understand it is is never really up to you like in storytelling in storytelling and in, in life too, right? Like you do your best and then however someone talks or thinks or, or discusses it is, is sort of like out of your control. So I, I kind of feel like it's that too. I feel like we as creators will continue to do our best. And um, I think the, the good kind of creators will really dig inwardly and tell stories that are honest and tell stories that feel true and uh just hope that they connect with the people who are watching and you know in some cases that will happen and in some cases it won't and i feel like that's just sort of how it goes all right can i ask a last question then uh since he brought up storytelling we've been talking about storytelling 
since human beings have been creating story, whether it's poetry, whether it's Bible stories, kids' stories, fables, every culture, ca cave drawings are telling stories. Why do you think we need story? What do you think the purpose of story is for These human are deep beings? questions. Do you want to take it, Kelly? <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are asking all the good questions. I mean, I, I can only speak for myself. I, 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 I try not to speak for other people in terms of like how everyone is affected by stories. But I will say for me, you know, I grew up as a kid who kind of a lonely kid who read a lot of books and those were my friends. And I think me being able to live in sort of imaginary worlds where magic was real and impossible things were possible really gave me the courage to pursue the things that I'm doing now. You know, I'm from a world where my parents didn't have the luxury of thinking about self-fulfillment. They didn't like I got to I got to have a roof over my head and food on the table. So I got to think about what would I want to do to make myself happy. My parents were just working jobs to make sure that we were fed. Um, so I think for me, storytelling holds this really special place in my heart because it was the thing that told me that impossible things are possible. And I think it's one of the reasons why I'm sitting here today talking to you and doing the things that I'm doing. Well, thank you very much, Kelly. And thank you, Carlos. That'll wrap us up. Fantastic film, Summertime. Everybody should watch this. This is the summer film. I think everybody should catch it. And uh, there's some breakout stars here, man. I really hope so. All right, guys. Thank, thank you. you both so much for having us. Thank you. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Hope to see you guys soon. That's it for this 54th episode of Brown and Black. We'd like to thank Carlos Lopez Estrada and Kelly Marie Tran for being on the show. And if you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. This episode was edited by Joshua Tirado. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can also catch our video interview with Carlos and Kelly on our YouTube channel. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black. to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.